Welcome everybody to another episode of Science Stories. Today I'm going to do two things that I never did before. I'm going to improvise a little bit and I'm going to talk about myself. Why am I going to improvise today? Because I had a last minute cancel. I had a, a guest lined up for today and unfortunately he couldn't make it. For some time I've been thinking about doing a different episode in which it's just myself talking. Okay, so today we're going to give it a go out of necessity, but we're going to give it a go. And for some time I wanted to do an episode that involved poetry and science. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess it's two things that I like. I couldn't say I like poetry. I don't consume poetry at all. But I do love rhymes and I do love word games and I do love being able to communicate with precise words. And, and this might strike you as a surprise since my English is not great at all. But I'm always trying to nail the exact word I'm trying to say. They find the perfect word to represent what I'm trying to say. And I admire a lot when people are able to do that. And to do that. So it's something I've been wanting to do for some time. It's not fully prepared, but let's let's give it let's give it a go. So today I'm gonna tell you a little bit about poetry and science first. Then I'm gonna tell you a little story that happened to me related to my research, and then I'm gonna tell you about the consequences of that story. All right. First, I'm gonna name my source. I'm reading at a blog here that was written by the chief editor of Nature Chemistry. So so this guy knows clearly what he's doing. Stuart Cantrill. I'm taking this from stuartcountry.com and he was the chief editor of Nature Chemistry. Now he's the editorial director of Nature Journals, Physics and Chemistry. Before that, he was an associate editor and then senior editor in Nature Nanotechnology. So this guy has been around and he really knows what he's talking about. All right. This is an article from March 21st of 2017, which is World Poetry's Day. And so the idea of the article is to show some cases in which poetry was used to publish scientific results. The first one is a classic from 1971 and in the Journal of Organic Chemistry. And it's, it's a paper about halogens and potassium, ammonia and stuff like that, which is it's written in an iambic pentameter, which is a poetic form. And it's funny because the, the article inspired the editor of the article to insert a little note in the paper, a little footnote in the article itself, that it says, although we are open to new styles and formats for scientific publication, we must admit to surprise upon receiving this paper. However, we find the paper to be novel in its chemistry and readable in its verse. 
because of the somewhat increased space requirements and possible difficulty to some of our non-poetically inclined readers, manuscripts in these formats face an uncertain future in this office. However, we take this opportunity to encourage readers and authors to examine carefully a new format represented by the articles on, on certain pages. So the editor said, okay, I, I love, we love this, but I'm not sure if you're going to get published if you keep doing, if somebody submits an article using poetry. Another article that was written in poetry, and this one is also a classic, is it's written, it was published in 1981, and the title is To Trans, 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 Tricycle, Tridicane. The author of this article is Howard Maskell. He writes, Shall I compare thee to single form of cyclohexane locked up with bulky group? Or should it be with that bicyclic norm whose ethane bridge one five doth fix the hoop? And this is a really these are really complicated chemistry, binding, affinities, stuff like this. But they're written in rhyme, which I find amazing. Then the story continues with Roald Hoffman, who is the recipient of the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1981. And he's also well known for his writing outside of scientific journals. So he wrote books, plays, and poetry. And in this particular case, in 2009, he combined his two passions. And he writes, If to ammonia one adds a metal, the solution grows real and subtle. A fine blue color is seen throughout, first by Humphrey Davy, no doubt. For lithium, electrons are released, the density of the solution decreased. Soaked electrons are born, spins pair, until a real band forms debonair. Lowering the T of this evolution impels a liquid-liquid partition. Superconductivity, why not? Molecular orbitals hit the spot. From blue to gold, the story unfolds. Which I think it's brilliant, right? To, to take the time to not only perform novel research, but to try to make it into something a little bit more beautiful. I think it's amazing. And, and they, I, I really, I, I'm trying to hide my admiration here. It's, it's, really, it's something I really envy, the ability to play with words like that. And then in 2014, at the journal Nature Chemistry, each editor that worked on the journal to that point, they were given the possibility to choose their favorite paper and they wrote a short piece examining their selection. And uh, somebody wrote, steric factors predicting a reaction, dividing vesicles that leaped into action. Polymer chains made of sulfurous strings. These are a few of our favorite things. PSI2 models and calcium in clusters. The power to split bonds that have new masters. Gels stacked together with sugary rings. These are few of our favorite things. <laughs> and then later that year, they did a little bit of Shakespeare-inspired verse when somebody submitted a paper, and they named it 2D or not 2D, like two, two dimensions, 2D or not 2D. Flat is the question. Whether this nobler in the mind to suffer, the slings and arrows of the outrageous limitations of graphene, or to take arms against a sea of order as anthracenes, and by photoirradiation polymerize them. I destroyed that, but 
you get the point, right? It's about the poetry in science. I'm just giving you examples of the poetry in science. And here I have another one that the writer of this, of this blog says that he considers the best. And it says, on the possible existence of an intermediate in an acid-induced fragmentation. A molecular fragmentation which is triggered by protonation is concerted or not. It depends if it's got intermediate stabilization. I love that, at least in the chemistry world of science, there are people that are not only doing really cool research, but they are also putting some work into making that research more beautiful, playing with words and trying to communicate their findings in a more artistic way, which is something that I, I really admire. So with this, I'm going to go to a short break. And since I didn't have a guest to pick songs, I have to pick them myself. So I'm going to confess that I googled which songs were based on poems. And so I'm going to play two of those songs, all right? longer than I expected but it's such a great song this is the acoustic version some people like the other version better I, I love this one I'm, I'm a softy I prefer acoustic versions usually but before the break we were listening to If by Johnny Mitchell and I got this from readpoetry.com apparently that song If is Rudyard's Kipling's poem so I, I I believe it it's not it's not that I don't believe it it's just I didn't know 
and it's considered some of the world's most successful poem. And Johnny Mitchell adapted this poem to a song of the same name. And so that was why we were listening to this. And now we're listening to Leila by Eric Clapton. I think Eric Clapton might be the best white guy that plays blues. Got me on my knees, Leila. So Eric Clapton wrote Leila about George Harrison's wife, Paddy Boyd, which whom he had an affair with, and then they ended up living together. So so Paddy Boyd ended up leaving George Harrison and, and they became a couple. And although this song is for her, the lyrics are based on a book by the Persian poet Nizami, Leila and Mahnoon about a man in love with a woman who he can't be with because of her parents' object. So that's why the, these songs were here today. So now I'm going to tell you a little story that happened to me that involves poetry and science. So in a conference recently, I think it was last year, there was an instance in which in one minute, so researchers that had posters, they had to be able to invite the audience to come to their poster, all right? Like an elevator talk or something like that. You had one minute, one slide, and then you had the whole conference there watching you and, and you have to say, I did this and this and this, and you should come and watch my poster because of this, 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 see you outside, all right? That was the dynamic that was suggested, all right? The funny thing that happened was that the MC, he took it upon himself to make it a little bit more entertaining than the regular conference. So he brought a huge bell, like a cowbell, and he would make it ring really hard when the minute was over. And he would threaten to do it if somebody ran over the minute, right? Ran over the time limit. And so he created this environment. I don't know if he did it on purpose or not. I think he did. But somehow he put himself as the villain, right? And then everybody was cheering for the presenter against the villain, right? So there was a really nice environment in these particular one-minute talks. And I was lucky enough that I didn't have to do that until the second night of the conference. So I had a chance in the first night to see how these dynamics would work, which, which was new to me. I had never seen it before. And I saw all this that I just described, all this playful environment and friendly environment, and I, and I decided that the stage was set to try to do something a little bit different. So I made my mind. I said, I want to do something different. And immediately I started thinking, what could I do? I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought. Until I spoke with my, my girlfriend, who's my dearest counselor in everything I do. And immediately she said, don't tell me you're going to do a pashada. For you guys who don't know, I am from Uruguay. And a pashada is a traditional poetic form that it's 10 verses of eight syllables each verse. And the rhyming pattern is really, really picky. So the rhyming pattern of this particular form of poetry that is called pashada is really complicated. And it's A, B, B, A, A, C, C, D, D, C. What do I mean by that? 
I mean that the first verse has to rhyme with the fourth and the fifth, the second with the third, the sixth, seven, and ten rhyme, and then the eighth and the ninth rhyme. So as you can as you can see, it's a fairly complicated rhyming pattern. All right. And but the moment I decided, okay, I'm gonna go for it. It just came to my mind. It's really, really interesting how fast it came. It's as if I had been thinking about this unconsciously. And the moment I decided I'm going to go for this, I think this is the fastest piece of writing that I ever produced. It was really, really fast. And before I show you the pasada that I wrote, I have to explain you a little bit about my work. I work with a genus of fishes that I call siphophorus. These are freshwater fish. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to remember some keywords, okay? So I, I work with a genus of fish that its name is Siphophorus. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to identify tumor modifier genes. So genes that affect melanoma development. And these tumor modifiers can be either an enhancer, so it can generate more cancer, or it can be a tumor suppressor and it can suppress the cancer, okay? The funny thing about this is that we discover cancer in this fish in the first place because these fish hybridize and they have a complex history of hybridizations. When two species of fish within this genus hybridize, that's when we see the cancer, all right? So I know you won't get what my research is about, but I'm just trying to give you some keywords so that you can understand the little poem I wrote. And now I'm going to play you in my broken English what I did. And I hope it's loud enough for you guys to listen. All right, ready? Yes. I think it has a mind of its own, right? <laughs> All right, my name is Mateo. I'm from Texas State University. I'm a postdoc there, and I work at the Cyphophorus Genetics Talk Center. But I am originally from Uruguay, and in Uruguay we have this poet structure that has this rhyming pattern here. And I am no poet, but I'll give it a try. All cyphophorus provide you with inspiration to explain what we have seen. A regulator interacting with an oncogene with a complex history of hybridization. But what is the real situation that is causing this skin cancer? Is it a tumor enhancer or we discover a new tumor suppressor? You can either ask my professor or check my poster for the answer. So that's what happened. So I'm going to read it again in case it wasn't clear enough. Oh, Siphophorus provide me with inspiration to explain what we have seen. A regulator interacting with an oncogene with a complex history of hybridization. But what is the real situation that is causing this skin cancer? Is it a tumor enhancer or we've discovered a new tumor suppressor? You can either ask my professor or check my poster for the answer. And I think it was really well received because the next few days of the conference, everybody that saw me around, they would point at me and say, the poet, like this this guy is the poet and something like that. And it was, it was pretty cool. The thing that fulfills me more about this situation is that I dared to go for a different thing, that I was, I was thinking, should I do it or should I not? And in the end, I ended up saying yes. And, and it went great. And there's a story that developed after this story that I'm going to tell you after a short break.
Cansado de poesia Me entranharia nestes sertões de você Para deixar a vida que eu vivia De cigania antes de te conhecer De enganos livres que eu tinha Porque queria Por não saber que mais dia, menos dia Eu todo me encantaria Pelo todo do teu ser Pra misturar Meia noite e meio dia E enfim saber Que cantaria a cantoria Que há tanto tempo queria A canção do bem querer Por cada muro un lamento En Jerusalén La dorada Y mil vidas malgastadas Por cada mandamiento Yo soy polvo de tu viento Y aunque sangro de tu herida Y cada piedra querida Guarda mi amor más profundo no hay una piedra en el mundo que valga lo que una vida. Yo soy un moro judío. So right now we're listening to Moro Judío, la milonga del moro judío from Jorge Drexler, which I'm going to talk a lot about in a minute. So I want to stop a little bit to talk about the first song that we were listening before the break. The name of the song is Estado de Poesía. It's a, a song in Portuguese by a Brazilian author named Chico Cesar, who I absolutely adore. He's one of the, I think he's one of the best poets that are out there. And he has something that is particular to me that blows my mind, that his lyrics are full of content, but not cheesy content. He finds a way to say things that we can all relate but he finds a way to say it in a beautifully and rhyming. So in a, in a beautiful rhyming way. Plus, his melodies are pure beauty. So if you would whistle his songs, they would be absolutely beautiful. So the guy absolutely blows my mind. And I hadn't had the chance to see him live yet, but I will. And, and this is something that will happen eventually. And the song that we were listening right now... Y a nadie le di permiso para matar en mi nombre. Un hombre no es más que un hombre. Y si hay Dios, This song is written by this author, whose name is Jorge Drexler, who is a Uruguayan, who has a, a life story that I think it's pretty interesting. So, first of all, he didn't know he wanted to be an artist, so he became a doctor. So he's an MD, he's a medical doctor. He was also a lifeguard at the beach in Uruguay. And he. the story is like this. The reason I write in this particular rhyming pattern is because of this guy. A couple of years ago, he made a TED talk in which he explains this rhyming pattern. And the point of the TED talk is not just to explain the rhyming pattern itself. It's way beyond that. So he said, 
he he starts the TED talk with an anecdote in which he meets with a really famous Spanish artist, Joaquin Sabina. This this guy's world famous Spanish artist. His lyrics are amazing and his melodies are really good as well. And this guy took a liking in young Jorge Drexler and he invited him from Uruguay to go to Spain to start working together, to start making some songs and, and just to be in the same place, to, to be in musical harmony, let's say. And so one night, he said it was a long night, he wrote some verses and he gave them to Jorge Drexler as a test. He said, make a song with these verses. And these verses are the chorus of the song I just played, of the Milonga del Moro Judío, all right? Bear with me. Before Jorge Drexler left, when he was about to leave, Joaquin Sabina, the master, he said, do it in decimas, okay? And decimas is a rhyming pattern that it's composed of 10 verses and they have H syllables each and they have this rhyming pattern, A, B, B, A, A, C, C, D, D, C. Basically the same as the Pashada. So he was super confused about this and he went home and started doing some research in the history of decima and what, what actually a decima mean. By the way, decima, the translation would be tenth and it refers to its ten verses. So he started looking at the history of decima and, and he found that this is something rare in history. We have a precise origin to when this poetry form was originated. And he tracked it down to a Spanish artist who coincidentally is the same guy that added the sixth string to the guitar. So the, the, the bass E that we have as the string number six, it was added by this guy in Spain. And he is the guy that created the decima, this, poet, this poem structure, all right? The funny thing is that this poem structure, when the Spanish colonized South America, the decima, so this poetic structure, traveled with them. And the funny thing is that it, it got extinct in Spain, but in South America, it took many, 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 many forms. So the people in Peru, for example, they call it in a particular name and they sing it in a particular rhythm and they call it decima peruana, right? The people in Mexico they sing it in another particular rhythm and they call it son jarocho. When it went to Argentina and Uruguay, we sing it in another particular rhythm and we call it payada. In Chile, it happened the same. So once he realized this and once he got the chance to travel to each of these countries on tour, he realized of something really funny that is that each culture in South America, they think the decima or whatever they call it it's a national pride and it was invented by them and he realized that something that it's so much part of your identity, it can also be part of someone else's identity. And, and, and he, he makes a, a word game with this. He makes a beautiful analogy. Even what I think is the deepest part of my identity could be shared with someone else and that he thinks that that is beautiful, that we all can belong to something together, right? Even the thing that you think is deepest part of yourself can be part of something that is bigger and belongs to everybody. And he actually made a song about that afterwards with the conclusion of his TED Talk because this guy is brilliant, all right? So 
um, if you listen to the lyrics, it doesn't matter that you don't understand the meanings, but you can listen to the sound and the rhymes of each verse, and you will notice that they have this rhyming pattern. So let's give it a try. Por cada muro un lamento en Jerusalén, la dorada y mil vidas malgastadas por cada mandamiento. Yo soy polvo de tu viento y aunque sangro de tu herida y cada piedra querida guarda mi amor más profundo. No hay una piedra en el mundo que valga lo que una vida. So I hope you got that. It matches perfectly the rhyming pattern. A, B, B, A. A, C, C, D, D, C. And the story does not end here. Because the video, the one I played before the break of the pasada or the decima that I made for the conference was really well received by my friends back home in Uruguay. And I'm going to tell you something about Uruguay. Uruguay is a really small country. We have four, only four million people. I don't think we even have four million people. So we are under four million people. And the joke is, and which is not kind of a joke, it's kind of true, that everybody knows everybody. And my girlfriend's cousin, he got it in his mind that that video had to reach Jorge Drexler himself since he was the source of inspiration. So... He got in his mind, we have to reach, we have to reach him some, somehow. We're in Uruguay, everybody knows everybody, we gotta reach him. Half an hour later, he said, it has been sent to the Drexler family group text. And I was like, what? This is insane, I can't believe it. One of the best things that ever happened, I, I can't believe it. Half an hour later, I get a text from Jorge Drexler himself congratulating me for what I did and for my research because he he's a fan of science as well. He has actually written songs about science. I was already mind blown. Imagine when I got a text. It's so hard to express how his words were at the same time wise and, and humble. It was it was magnificent. His, his use of the language is brilliant and he was super nice and we talked for a little bit and I don't know, it just changed everything to me it was amazing brilliant 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 so all this happened because i decided to mix poetry and science and i'm really really happy that i did it it changed it changed my perspective of science a little bit it changed my perspective of poetry a little bit and yeah I'm, i'm really proud of what happened something that i have to mention about drexler is the first time he was world famous or at least known outside the realms of uruguay and and that area was when he got nominated for an Oscar for a song he made for a movie. So Jorge Drexler made a song for the movie called Motorcycle Diaries that tells the story of Che Guevara, who was an Argentine Marxist. And that song got nominated for an Oscar. And it was also selected to be played at the Oscar, at the award ceremony. And Jorge Drexler was going to go and play it himself. And all Uruguay was super excited about that. And imagine imagine the news. Everybody was talking about this. Ah, Jorge Drexler is going to be in the Oscars. He's going to be famous. That's amazing. And the day before the award ceremony, the Academy decided that Jorge Drexler was not famous enough. And so Antonio Banderas, the famous Spanish actor, was to sing his song instead of Jorge Drexler. 
Antonio Banderas had not even participated in Motorcycle Diaries, in the movie. But they chose him because he was way more famous. It was just a rating thing, an advertisement thing. And so everybody, imagine, imagine the press. Everybody was like, this is so racist. This is so... The Academy sucks. So imagine the headlines. And even everybody was talking about this before the ceremony of what a nasty thing to do from the Academy. And so when he walked on the red carpet, they wouldn't even talk to him. They would talk to Antonio Banderas. And Antonio Banderas was super nice to say, no, actually, I'm going to sing a song of him. And he would try to introduce him and get him some camera and some recognition for what he did. During the ceremony, ceremony, Antonio Banderas sings the song. The song is really well received by the crowd. And at the moment of awarding the Oscar, Jorge Drexler ends up winning the Oscar. He ends up receiving the Oscar. And this is what happens. Jorge Drexler for our ultra lateral career from the motorcycle diary. This is the first Academy Award and nomination for Jorge Drexler. Clavo mi remo en el agua, llevo tu remo en el mío. Creo que he visto una luz al otro lado del río. El día le irá pudiendo poco a poco al frío. Creo que he visto una luz al otro lado del río. Chao. Thank you. Gracias. Chao. I have goosebumps right now. Like literally I have chicken skin. That's how we call it in, in Uruguay. So the guy, he has so much class that instead of shoving it in his face to the academy, his approach was, you're not going to let me sing. I'm going to sing my song anyways in the 30 seconds that you give me. That I earned. It was insane. It was such an act of class. And I think it demonstrates that there's no way around art and beauty and poetry and creativity is going to win above commercial interests and, and things like this. And, and yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that this guy is a, kind of a hero of mine. So thank you very much for bearing with me in this kind of improvised episode and... I'll be back with more science stories soon. Thank you so much for listening. Wow. Wow.